Inside Track on Real Estate with Ken and Yetta Decker of the Decker Team. Get the Inside Track, everything you need to know about buying and selling in the greater Ottawa area. The Inside Track on Real Estate with the Decker Team. Hey, have you ever wondered about commercial real estate? You know, you see those real estate... What, what's the word? Moguls? Moguls, yeah. Moguls, yeah. People that own lots of real estate. Quite often they own commercial real estate, like that Trump guy. Yeah. Trump Towers. He owns commercial real estate. And look what happened to him. He became the president of the United States. Or we talk about uh, <laughs> something more local, like Diamond Storage. Oh, Diamond Storage. Mm-hmm. They went totally commercial. Yeah. And they went big fast. And they're yes. still growing. Yes. So this is going to be a fun show. And I'm Ken Decker. I'm Ryan Decker. And we're going to talk about commercial real estate on the inside track on real estate today. And here we go. So we actually got to listen to the, I think it was the CFO of Diamond Storage. storage. Yeah. yeah, Diamond Companies. Because mm-hmm. they're going beyond storage. Their, their next project in Toronto is going to be condominium on the outside high-end retail on the bottom, and their commercial storage unit up the middle of the building. Of the building. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, once you see it, you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently they're, they're building so many storage units here, and they're all full. Yeah. What's that say about us? Oh, we have a lot of stuff. Yeah, we have a lot of stuff, and we don't have enough space to keep it. And what I find interesting, too, is I assume that most of the people who were uh, doing storage were, I don't know, men or women or whatever. And for them, 40% is commercial, and then the remainder is majority women. Hmm. Majority of women are storing things. Mm -hmm. And then the rest is commercial, pretty much. There is some men as well, but that that baffled me a little bit. Yeah, I know the the fellow that I bought my office furniture from, he had a little showroom in the basement of the diamond storage unit. He had like a storage unit that was set up like a retail store and went in there and saw samples and whatever, and that was his office. And it was less expensive for him than getting a retail location, which was pretty cool. So commercial, there's all kinds of commercial real estate. There's, there's the leasing of commercial space. Mm-hmm. There's the purchasing of commercial space. There's the land development of commercial space. Mm-hmm. And you're into a different league of whether you're investing or you're going to be an uh, owner-occupying. Mm-hmm. Really great. Or a tenant. It's very different mm-hmm. than residential. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about the differences in the leasing. The leasing side. Okay, so tenant of residential, you have a lot of rights. Mm -hmm. You can't, uh, your landlord can't ask for more than first and last month's rent. Um, They have to give you certain notices. If you're late on rent, they have to give you the proper forms. And there's so many different things. In commercial, uh, it's heavy on uh, the landlord's side. So if you don't pay your rent, they can have you out like instantly. They can lock the doors. They can do all sorts of stuff. They can seize your stock. They can seize it. They, they can do so much. Where in residential, you can't. Mm-hmm. Deposit, they could take three years of pre-rent if they want. Like You can do whatever you want, essentially. It's the Wild West. Um, yeah, I know when I rented my first space, when I 
opened the real estate company, um, I had no history. So they didn't ask for a giant deposit. But what they did ask for is $50,000 in a line of uh, an operating credit, basically. So I had to take $50,000, put it in a GIC with the bank, Mm -hmm. and the bank signed off that the landlord had access to that account. So if I didn't pay my rent, they could tap into that Mm $50,000. That's quite a security deposit. It really is. Where in residential, you could never get away with that. No, you can't get away with that. And also, if you don't pay your rent very quickly, Mm -hmm. can they change the locks and you're out? And it's harder with a residential house because they're actually living in it. They Mm -hmm. might be in it. But uh, a commercial space, generally you get out, you only come back the next morning and that's when the locks are changed and Mm -hmm. there's a sign on the door, you're out. You're gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have cooler terms as well, because often there's a fair bit of fit up with a lease. And when mm-hmm. I say fit up, I mean renovations that you want to do when you start renting there to make it suit for your purposes. And so there may be in the lease an extra 10 or 20 years extension, like it's a five-year lease, and then there's the ability to mm-hmm. renew, um, where in residential you don't see that. No, the terms are much, much longer because the the cost is much more mm-hmm. higher. And sometimes, you know, leasehold improvements can be several hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars. And you got to know that you have that location for a long time because you want the stability. And for people that are just starting a business, that's scary. Because mm-hmm. they go, ooh, is this business going to work? Yeah. And I got to sign a minimum five-year or three-year lease or something like that. The other thing is, with a commercial lease, generally you're going to sign that as a corporation because usually a business is a corporation. But quite often the landlord, if you don't have a history in that corporation, they're going to want a personal guarantee as well. So you're going to have to sign on it, your personal covenant, which means technically you go after your house or your car or anything else if you don't pay your, your lease. And it's, and it's not like, oh, we're going to come after you for a couple months. No, if you if you stop paying after two years and you get a five-year lease, they'll come after you for three years of lease payments. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That is a lot, depending on the building as well. Yeah. And what's also interesting about commercial is um, you get your normal rent, plus you may have a cam charge above that. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't go too much into the details today, will we? Well, we can go into a little bit of detail for sure. Um, so if you're if you're a tenant, watch out for those CAM charges. It's a common area maintenance charge, is what CAM stands for. It can include things like if they have to change the heating system, you may be paying a portion of that or the depreciation mm-hmm. on that. Um, maintenance on the property, on the on the parking lot, on the lighting, uh, cleaning. Uh, it could be part of the heat and hydro for an area. It'll be part of the insurance premiums. It'll be part mm-hmm. of the taxes. When I say it's part, it won't. If if you're occupying the entire building, then you're going to pay all of that. But if you're only, let's say, you have twenty percent of the building, mm-hmm. you're leasing twenty percent, then you're going to pay twenty percent of the common area management costs. So that's that extra fee, and that can add up. 
in some cases, it's more than the cost per square foot for the actual lease. Now, there's a lease called a gross lease. Gross lease means everything's included. Mm -hmm. There's a triple net lease. That means you're paying for the square footage and everything else you're going to pay, like your your taxes, your insurance, and not your personal insurance, the landlord's insurance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Portion of everything you're going to pay. That's triple net. And they can really add up because taxes on a commercial place can be two, three times what it would be on the same size for residential. Yes, um, it can. And so when you're adding that in and the tenant's the one paying for it, it can really add up. Mm -hmm. The other thing to consider is HST. Hmm. Typically on any commercial sale or lease, there's going to be HST. So that's an extra 13%. Now for most businesses that are charging HST, it's kind of a flow through because if I'm charging, you know, if I if I have a million dollars worth of business, that's one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in HST. But if I have expenses of of a hundred thousand dollars of HST, I just have to submit the thirty thousand of HST to the government. So that's a, that's where it comes into play. And if you're buying a commercial property, sometimes they're a million, two, three, four, five, whatever. 13% on that's a huge amount. Mm -hmm. So what they've done is if both are HST registrants, the buyer and the seller, then they do what's called basically a pass-through. It's a they, they sign off on a letter on the closing and they don't actually collect the HST because what would happen is they would collect it, then you would write it off and ask for the refund. So so it just it's just a pass-through. It's a it's a moving mm -hmm. over of an asset. And so the it becomes HST neutral. Mm -hmm. So that's good. as long as they're both businesses. As long as they're both businesses. Yeah, exactly. Now we run into HST on some residential every once in a while, where maybe it's a subdivided lot. Mm -hmm. That lot will have HST on it, or sometimes there's excess land. Maybe it was a, a hobby farm or something, and there might be HST on the excess land, or there may be HST because that hobby farm was producing a product that they were selling and they were an HST registrant and they're collecting HST. So even though there's a residential portion in the house, there will be a portion of HST due. And again, the way to avoid having to pay it is for the new buyer to become an HST mm -hmm. registrant. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Financing is fun on commercial. Yeah, well, there's so many different ways to finance commercial. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're an older business that has financial records, and obviously they'll use that, um, and it becomes more expensive when you're finance, usually. Now, we have seen some deals in the past that didn't seem much more expensive than residential. Yeah, generally there's typically more down payment. Mm -hmm. You might look at 30 35% down. Um and then you can get into some lending like the BDC, the Business Development Bank of Canada. Mm -hmm. They're wonderful, especially for owner-occupied buildings. Really good to work with. They do not do residential. So if you wanted to buy a commercial apartment building, you know, a five unit, plus. five unit, ten unit, whatever, you cannot go to them and ask for financing. They only lend for the development of business. Now, what if there's both? That's a good question. We'll have to talk to you. We'll have to check with the BDC. <laughs> but I think they will not finance residential. residential. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's 
they're kind of neat. They're, they have a bunch of other things they won't finance. Anything that's on the edge of the law or mm-hmm. would be considered morally unacceptable or that sort of thing, they don't lend for that either, which is cool. Yeah, now holding commercial real estate. As the owner. As the owner. Mm-hmm. Some will buy it personally, but most will buy it, open a corporation and mm-hmm. hold it within the corporation. And the reason being is if that building starts making money, it's going to be taxed at a lower rate and it can be mm-hmm. held in there. And those profits can go and buy another building if need be or if you want to expand. Right. So there's some tax advantages in holding commercial real estate within a corporation. So that's that's kind of fun. Now, the other thing that people forget, because most of the time when we're buying residential, we're not so concerned with environmental issues because most people don't contaminate their Mm. personal residence. The only exception to that is the odd time where you may have a an old oil tank or a buried oil tank or something like that, that there may be an environmental issue, but it's rare compared to commercial properties where they may mm-hmm. be working with chemicals. Big like, oil tanks or cars or all sorts of things. Yeah, like if it was a, a scrapyard for a while, quite often there's contaminants, uh, antifreeze and oils and different things have gone into the ground. Uh, and that needs to be cleaned up. There's also, um, you know, I went to buy a property right off of Maryville Road for my business one time. And then I got the report back and there was some environmental contamination in the water table. And the type of contamination was it was from a printing press that had been there like 30 years ago. And the issue was that's carcinogenic, the type of chemicals that are in there. And who knows whether that could get into somebody's water table, into someone's well, because there were properties that had wells, you know, a little ways away from it. And so my legal advisor said, run away for it. Do not buy it under any circumstances. Get out of the offer. So environmental is a big portion. Mm-hmm. And there's three phases to environmental. Um so when we do an offer on a commercial property, we put an environmental clause in, a couple of environmental statements and a clause. The clause is conditional on us doing our due diligence, mm-hmm. usually getting a phase one. A phase one is more a site evaluation. And so what they'll do is they'll examine the site for any potential contamination. And they're not just looking at your property. They're looking kind of around a, a block, a certain mm-hmm. area around it to see if there's a gas station nearby or something. Some area that could have been given contamination, a dry cleaning plant or whatever. And then they do historical data checking to see what the use of the building and the surrounding buildings was for many, many years back to see if that type of industry has a history of giving contamination. And if there's enough valid information that says there could be they don't know if there is they just say there could be mm-hmm. um, then they'll order they'll, you'll need to go to a phase two and a phase two is where they actually take soil samples they drill core well samples like they drill down <coughs> excuse me and the, they test the groundwater that comes into there because quite often the groundwater will bring any contaminants with it 
so they can test the groundwater, they can test the soil. If there's nothing, well, then it gets a clean bill of health. Mm-hmm. If there's something and it needs to be cleaned up, now you go to a phase three, and a phase three is actually the remediation. And remediation can be very expensive. Like when we say expensive, we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like to sometimes do that. you might have a million dollar property, and the estimate is two million dollars to clean it. Right. Which basically makes the 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 property worthless or negative or negative. Now that property that I was warned do not buy it, do, you know, mm-hmm. and I walked away from somebody else bought it, and you can't get financing on a contaminated piece of land. Mm-hmm which means they paid cash for it. And now they're taking the risk that if that ever spread onto someone else's property and caused someone to be sick, they would be liable. Liable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was quite interesting to see that somebody would, somebody with a lot of cash decided that was what they wanted. Yeah, buying up commercial real estate. The inspections are a little bit different too. So you've mm-hmm. got your environmental in a house, you're going to have a home inspection, mm-hmm. and they are going to tell you, you know, oh, maybe there's four years left in the roof, there's this or that. Uh, in a proper building inspection for a commercial building, they're actually going to tell you life expectancy of most of the elements. Yeah, they're going to tell you if something needs work right today, but they might tell you like the HVAC system, which is a heat and ventilation system. Mm-hmm may have you know five years left on one 10 years left on another and they will actually estimate what the cost is to change that so you you've got a report of your five-year maintenance costs your 10-year maintenance costs so now you can budget in your in your expenses as to what it's going to cost to own this building awesome and they normally call that a reserve or not a reserve fund sorry um no, it's just the life expectancy. No, no, I mean when you're holding the money for those things. Oh, your capital cost uh, um, improvement? Yeah. 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 So you don't really hold it, but you budget. Some mm. some people do. They'll put 5 or 10% of their income of the business mm-hmm. away every year, building it up because they know that they're going to have to change the, the roof. Like roofs on commercial buildings sometimes can be very expensive. Yeah, flat roofs are more money, right? Yeah. When you're talking 5,000 square feet of a, a flat roof, that's, that's a lot of that's, money. Yeah, 5,000 square feet, you're probably in the sixty dollars to $90,000 to change that flat roof. Good news is it's, it's probably good for 25 to 30 years. Should be. Yeah. And when you're changing it, it's usually torched on membrane. And what they'll do is generally change the insulation because that type of roof, a flat roof, is going to have basically like a styrofoam. Mm-hmm. And then your membrane goes on top. And so that styrofoam is what insulates your roof. And quite often the old one may be deteriorated or it may not be as thick or as high quality of what would go on today. Mm-hmm. So you can actually improve your insulating factor by doing that. That's great. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about zoning. Okay. So can I just decide on my property somewhere <laughs> that I'm just going to put a shopping mall? <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice, eh? <laughs> no. No. Why? No. 
Because zoning is designed by the city to really protect the integrity of the areas. Because let's say you buy a nice home or you build a nice home on a lot. The last thing you want to do is have a shopping mall open up mm -hmm. right beside you that you didn't know was going there. Or maybe a heavy industrial where they're creating noise all day. Mm -hmm. Or even they have a night shift and they're creating noise. So the city's purposely mapped out zones where they, they might have heavy industrial, light industrial, um, commercial retail, and sometimes there's Village Main Street, which mm -hmm. is kind of an, a more open. There's General Commercial, which is pretty open as to what can be used on that piece of land. And so you've got to be really careful with your zoning and if you're going to buy a property or lease a property, what I highly recommend is you we'd make it conditional on a zoning letter. And basically you send to the city what your purpose is going to be. Although they have a basic list of what's allowed in each zoning, mm -hmm. you put in what you're going to use it for. They will come back with a letter that, yes, it complies or it doesn't. And once you've got that letter, as long as you're doing what you said in your mm -hmm. description to them, they can't come back and say, hey, you're out of the zoning, get out. Because mm -hmm. you don't want to lease someone or buy a building and then find out the city shuts you down because you're doing a, an operation that the zoning doesn't allow. That would be horrible. So often commercial properties are more expensive just because of the zoning because you can yeah. do different things on them. Yes, they generally have more flexibility. They have an ability to earn more money for the business. Mm -hmm. And so quite often they're, they're, they're more expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I've run into a few properties lately that are really neat. And uh, they're village mixed use. Mm -hmm. So there's some in Greeley, there's some in Carp, and I'm sure there's some in other areas as well. And in that zoning, you're basically allowed to do anything you want within like a list of 40 things, <laughs> which is not normal for zoning. Normally, right. you can do like four or five different things in that zoning, um, but here the list is just astronomical, uh, which opens the doors to lots of possibilities. Mm -hmm. And you have to be very careful with subzones as well. Like the, the city of Ottawa, let's tip our hat to the city of Ottawa. Mm -hmm. They have an amazing website called GeoMaps. Yep. And you can go on there and look up any property in the city of Ottawa. Um, link to the zoning description for that property. Mm -hmm. And then where it gets tricky is the subzones. It's yes. sometimes very hard to tell what the subzone really means. And many times in commercial we'll have, you know, village one uh, B three or something. And so the B three is a subset of that big mm -hmm. zoning. So you gotta go to B three and then what B three might say is that particular property you can't have a car wash on it, even though car wash is allowed in the zoning, in the zoning but, not, the but not for that property. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of things you got to look for your exceptions because right. they'll bite you too. And they also change how far you can be from property lines and all sorts of different uh, measurements for the size of building, building mm -hmm. height of the ceiling. Like everything's in there. It's very detailed. Um, and then where you can get into trouble is 
even after the subzone, sometimes they have like a little bracket and then a few more letters and numbers, and those are almost impossible to find. So, <laughs> so, so you have to pick up the phone and call and the city call and ask. And just figure it out. Because <laughs> they, they're pretty good in the zoning department. They know what mm-hmm. those little letters and numbers mean. Um, and zoning can be changed sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you can get a, a zoning amendment. You can get a minor variance. Mm-hmm. Or you can get something added to a zoning, like a sub. That's where you get the, all those mm-hmm. little sub things. For instance, uh, recently we worked on um, a church who was wanted to move into an office warehouse space, but a place of worship was um, accepted for this area, and so they had to go. Was or wasn't was ex- accepted, meaning not allowed. Oh, an exemption. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 So. We purchased the property conditional, and the conditional period, instead of on a house where it's usually week to 10 days, yeah. our conditional period was over six months because we had to go put our plans together for the for the church, then go to the city, and initially we made it short, the, the conditional period, because it was just on a consultation with the city, because you can meet with them, and the zoning people will tell you whether they are pro or against the zoning amendment. Mm -hmm. If they're against it, you got a battle ahead of you to try and change the zoning. And you would maybe even have to go to um, the OMB, the the, uh, Ontario Municipal Board, to overrule the city. And that's that's expensive and it doesn't happen all the time. So zoning is really tricky, but they will do that first consultation. And then if they say, yeah, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't support that, then you put in your application fee, whether that's $10,000 or whatever. It's going it to be 30 plus when you're... It's what? It's $30,000 $30,000. Uh, City of Ottawa is very expensive to rezone. So if you can help it, it makes sense to not go that route. Rezone. And um, you're going to have to hire consultants to do yep. it because they create a case study for why it could be changed. And there's, there's sound studies, there's noise studies, there's environmental studies, there's traffic studies. There can be earth studies, water <laughs> studies. Yeah. Yeah. So, it goes on and on. so you hire all these engineers. Plus, you got to hire the consultant who knows how to talk to the city. Mm-hmm. Because as a layperson, you're not used to dealing with those departments. And they don't want to listen to you because most of the time you're saying stuff that doesn't, doesn't, make, doesn't sense. make sense to them, right? Yeah, so that conditional period can be quite lengthy in a commercial real estate. Now, also, highly recommend do not use a residential real estate agent to mm-hmm. buy or sell commercial real estate mm-hmm. unless they've got experience in it and training mm-hmm. or they're partnering with another commercial, commercial real agent. estate agent who yeah. just does commercial. Because there's some commercial agents that are not maybe part of the board that avoid even working with any realtor who's not a commercial real estate mm-hmm. person. Yeah, so lots of properties are on the MLS and that are commercial are and lots are not. So, and when I say lots, I don't mean physical lots. I yes. mean plenty, plenty are not. Yeah. And here's another difference in commercial is quite often the buyer will pay their agent directly for finding them a commercial property. Whereas in residential real estate, 
That's virtually never. Mm -hmm. uh, we get paid from the seller, but in commercial, it's a different breed. So sometimes that commercial real estate agent is knocking on doors or trying to find you a property or there's properties that are listed exclusive that they're not cooperating mm -hmm. with other realtors. And so for them to buy that property for you, you're going to have to pay them their commission. Mm -hmm. So that's different in commercial. And most many times businesses have the wherewithal to pay the agent to protect their interest and to find them the right property because it's worth it to them. Mm -hmm. Even when I bought my property, I partnered with another commercial real estate company and I said, if you find me the property, I'll, I'll pay you a fee to, to do it. And so we did that. So give us a call if you're thinking of buying or selling commercial real estate because or leasing. we have experience or leasing. 613-860-4663.